Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to another episode of Growth Hack with me, your host, Julian Espinoza. On this podcast, we break down marketing channels such as Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. In episode five, we talk about how social media has changed marketing and the need for video. Today's episode is how to create videos that drive action. The question is, how is it possible when consumers know and can smell a commercial coming? Creating videos that drive action is no longer about features and benefits. Consumer behavior is telling us they want to be entertained. Think about it for a second. Do you go on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube to see ads? No, we don't. We want to see things that are funny, things that excite us, things that are interesting to us. The big question then becomes, how do you make a video that's funny, interesting, exciting, while still promoting your company, your brand, your product, and your service? Step in someone called a creative director. The role of a creative director is to solve for just that, making a video entertaining to watch while delivering the brand message of the product. Lucky for us, we tracked down a successful creative director here in Los Angeles to share her process. Welcome, Camille Samara. Thanks for having me, Julian. Yeah, absolutely. I don't normally talk about how I met someone, but I think this is a really unique way. So I'd like to start off by saying how I met you. I was listening to a podcast and Camille's name came up in a podcast, which we can't even recall which podcast it was. And she came up very organically. Someone mentioned her name uh, and mentioned some of her work and some about something about her videos and uh, creativity. And for me, um, I'm always doing video and driving action and all those kind of things. And I went and took a look at Look Her Up Online and I found her website and I saw one really, really interesting video that really caught my attention called Eargasms. So I'll let us play uh, the Eargasm clip right now. Hey Dave, I want to give you an eargasm. What? Beer, madam? No, eargasm. It's a high fidelity earplug that allows you to rev your sweet ride without worrying about the damage caused to your ears. When riding your bike, the noise levels can reach a deafening 100 decibels. That can cause hearing loss in as little as 15 minutes. Wow, that's a lot of decibels. Thanks, I do look good in pastels. And these babies are made of hypoallergenic soft silicone, so you can wear them comfortably on long rides. It's Eargasm! So Camille was the creative director of this project. Why don't you tell our guests a little bit about this? Because this is... This one's amazing. Uh, yeah, that was a super fun project. So um, I was part of the, uh, the initial ideation crew. The the client come to us and they wanted to do this campaign based on uh, you know their their name inherently is is pretty funny. It's orgasm. The product is you know very demonstrable. And uh, describe the product. Oh, sorry. It's a um, it's a an earplug. Uh, but it's it uh, it does the thing where it like automatically adjusts to the quality of noise. So it's not just like a foam 
you know, thing in your ear. It's more of like a, uh, you can still hear like dialogue through it. So if someone's talking to you at a loud concert, you can hear that. Or if like your buddy and you're riding on a motorcycle, you can hear your buddy without getting all the the damaging um, decibels to your ear that actually cause ear damage. So that was the whole point is they wanted to sort of demonstrate the different scenarios in which you could use the eargasm, um, which is a very direct response, uh, you know, way to sort of sell online, you know, exactly demonstrating the product, um, but in these humorous scenarios. So naturally right. we had a, a blast writing. Um, we actually did a, a campaign series of these. Mm. And so I did the first one, which is this motorcycle one. Um, and it was just a blast. We got these really, you know, awesome real bikers down and they brought all their all their gear and all their bikes. And we gave them these, these eargasms. And, uh, and we just had a fun time sort of developing the idea of of uh, fun ways you could mishear the different things and also rhyming eargasm with different words. And it, it just became this larger sort of uh, idea that we could then, you know, create a hero video and then cut it down in multiple different variations. And it created an entire campaign for them. Uh, so it was basically like, you know, a, a big bang for your buck, if you will, from a one day shoot that got an entire, you know, website, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube sort of slew of content from it. Right. Well, lucky yeah. them. Yes. <laughs> as many clients get. Uh, so talk to us for a second, because we want this episode to definitely we want to show the data behind video, why video is important. My personal interests are like, how do you get to that creative? Right. And so. The name already was funny. We know that the client by the name of the company mm -hmm. is already willing to not be super conservative, which yes. is always helpful for us. Very right? big step. Yes. Right. Um, so like talk to us just for yeah. a minute or two. How did you get into the how did you get into the mindset of coming up with something so like a unique and funny. So uh, the first thing I like to always start out with is that creative is not a guarantee. Creative is one of those things which is, you know, it's either you can be cripplingly fearful of it because there's no sort of like direct uh, formula to it per se, but also within that, it also has the possibility to be as, as great as you want it to be, right? Um, so that's why I like to think that you know, with creative, you have the potential to scale higher than any other factor that you have within sort of like the marketing funnel. Um, it, video is that much more important because we find that uh, apart from, you know, photo and, and audio sort of um, uh, versions of, of, of content, creative content, video is the only one that sort of performs as well as as it can go, you know. Uh, so with this, you know, we had the we had the 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 idea down of the eargasm, right? And of course, with that comes the sort of dialogue component of, you know, uh, rhyming words with it, but we needed a visual component. And so with that, we sort of started developing um, these unique scenarios that we wanted to be very visually striking. So we had the specifics of the motorcycle. We did one later where we did one um, at a concert, and then we did one in sort of like another uh, homescape so creating these very visually distinct um, locations, if you will, and then putting these memorable characters within them. We found that that sort of works like in any any sort of short form uh, or even long form video content like a television show or, you know, uh, a movie. Um, it all sort of is the same uh, same formula, which is. Uh, you know, sort of creating a, a visually striking hook, if you will, um, and then sort of carrying through that. You know, most people don't watch past the first one and a half to three seconds, but if they really want to invest in it, which, you know, chances are if they're going to buy into this narrative, then they're going to watch the whole thing because it is really entertaining throughout. Um, so with that, we sort of were able to match, you know, adding value props in there and demonstrating the product while also adding some humorous elements of there. And again, like you said, the client being willing to go that far with the creative was that much more you know, helpful for us. It's a lot easier to have sort of a, a blank slate right. um, to work with. Right. Um, 
And then we just sort of made sure that, you know, we were able to to get some pretty product shots in there, demonstrate the value props, and people were actually staying longer on the video we found in the data because they were that much more interested in the narrative, which right. we don't often, you know, in direct response, we sort of hit those, um, you know, I'll talk about the rules later, but it's sort of, you know, hitting product value props first and foremost and hoping they don't click away. But this is sort of the formula for a video where we knew people were going to stay on it for a while because it was entertaining and it was funny and it wasn't, you know, it, it was it was, uh, it was was hooking enough that they were going to stay through at least most of it because they wanted to see the the ending right and we we've had a couple conversations and one of the big reasons why i invited you as being a guest here is i rarely meet a creative that understands the creative process who understands the analytics behind the media buying side so i'm the owner of my company but i'm also the media buyer right right so i know the media buying really really well and i have yet to meet a creative that understands the media buying side of it that yet has to understand like we have one and a half seconds to capture someone, right? And so that was a big reason why I wanted to bring you on. And I have tons and tons of questions. So hopefully we have enough time, um, but let's get into it. Um, I think the first thing we want to start with is so why video? Why now? What's going on? So uh, on average, we find that people are scrolling through 300 feet of timeline a day. 300 you know, feet. Yes. So literally like if you had a ruler, yeah, like yeah. 300 feet. Yeah. Of that's like over a quarter mile, I think. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's a ton. I mean, if you need to look on your iPhone, it'll tell you the average of you're spending what, four to five to six hours a day. That's a lot of scrolling because most of what we do is we're sitting on our social media apps and we're just looking for the next thing. Right. And, uh, and these sort of timeline feeds have allowed it so that we are, it's, it's almost like, you know, the whole online dating app thing, which is you can just consistently be swiping, scrolling, clicking. It's just an instant feedback and getting new options everywhere, which is, uh, uh, overwhelming to say the least. <laughs> but within that scape, you know, we're also able to get that many more, you know, sort of ads out there. Um, so we find that within that, you have to find uh, a way to make people stop, obviously. Stop scrolling. We call this um, timeline stopping, thumb stopping, what have you. That's the sort of element of a video that we're always looking to create. I'll add in there, um, at some point I was reconsidering changing Poppy Digital to thumb stoppers. <laughs> but it's okay. Thumb stoppers. Crime Stoppers. That's a fun one. We can right. play on that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, we also find that video specifically generates 12,000% more shares uh, and sort of like, you know, click-throughs than, than text and images combined. Wow. Um, so we're really priming for for the audience there. Uh, again, even if you're even if you're animating photo with text into a video form, it's that much more, um, like let's say like a review video, right, where you have text and you have um, the, the product image, it's going to be that much more effective in driving a purchase than just having a static, you know, carousel ad, basically. Um, and then also we found that video viewers retain 95% of a message more when they watch it in a video compared to 10% when they're reading it in text. And that's just sort of the obvious thing of, you know, people tend to, you know, they, they tend to absorb more as they listen to it. And also when they have a visual element to attach to it, people don't like to read. You know, copy is great, but um, but really you got to distill it down. I also find that in in the rules of threes, I tend to also keep my copy to three words per you know frame if I can, mm. um, just because I find that people don't they don't really listen or read past that. Um, so those are just sort of the things. If you can distill stuff as as short and as quick um, and as memorable as possible, you're just you know creating it uh, that much more easier for the viewer to to want to you know remember your your product and go purchase it. Um, so again, like I mentioned earlier, traditionally we we hook a viewer in the first three seconds. That's the sort of traditional marketing approach to a hook. But nowadays, it's you know one point five seconds is just sort of the the um, the standard we go for. We always say like the first you know 
six frames you got to really be uh, in it already. We don't like to have any sort of, you know, um, anything before that. It's, it's you know, we, we, we really base everything around these hooks. And I'll go in a little bit later about what a hook is and what we sure. describe a hook as. But, um, it, yeah, if you're not hitting it first and foremost, a person, you know, if, if they don't see something that they're going to stop at, again, they're just scrolling through. They have 300 feet of timeline to get through in a day on average. So, you know, they're, they're going to keep scrolling. So you really have to hook them with the very first image and the very first piece of text. So what you're getting at is that a lot of content is being consumed on the internet yes. and video by the data is showing that it is stopping thumbs. Stopping thumbs and it's it's performing, I mean, over a thousand percent better than a photo and 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 um, and just text. Got it. So yeah, it's uh it's just immeasurable the quality right. of it. Yeah. Right. So that's Really interesting. We definitely in this podcast, uh, we're at episode seven. So we've definitely covered some of the major reasons why Facebook, Instagram, and all these big players are putting emphasis in mm -hmm. video and their algorithm, yes. right? Time spent on app is a huge oh, yeah. KPI for their mm -hmm. Wall Street numbers and, yep. and all those things. So that that is really, really interesting, uh, breaking it down from, from the, the results. So so that leads leads us into our next part, which big questions is video and direct response, yes. right? So if we're at episode seven, hopefully by now everyone knows that we can't convert someone off of a first time view, a first time landing page visit. We got to bring them back. But how do we, how, how does video and dr and like what does that conversation look like at your organization so uh it's actually pretty great because within the you know the facebook uh, ads manager platform we can actually look through all those specific um we can literally look through a video and and sort of see the drop-off rate as as the time goes on and sort of the viewership goes down. We can also see at what point people, you know, clicked through the video to get to the landing page. So the to analytics get to the website. are great. Yes, analytics are incredible. And um, so, you know, if, if a video is performing well, what we like to do is we like to A-B test a lot, obviously. So we're running multiple versions of a video with different hooks, with different text, with different, you know, uh, just geared maybe towards, you know, different audiences just very slightly. These are all very, very small tweaks of the same video, uh, just geared towards different audiences. And we're able to sort of look at, you know, the specifics of, okay, this type of person watched this video, you know, to the three second mark and they clicked through, but this video, everyone dropped off after a second and no one clicked through. What happened there? Why is it different? And so we're able to test and look at that so specifically and then tweak other videos and future creative based on those learnings. So mm. we're not ever really seeing that sort of dip off as much as we can. Again, like I said, it's not a guarantee, but you're able to sort of use the metrics to fine tune your creative there's no rules in creative, but we like to say there's guidelines and there's ways to sort of like make it a little less hard for you to fail with it. So if you can sort of take your learnings and, and, and the metrics and and use those findings to to sort of, um, you know, innovate the, the next creative with those findings, uh, you're just going to have that much of an easier time getting the proper creative geared towards the right audiences and it's less of a guessing game. So if I hear, heard you correctly, you are potentially producing several hooks. Oh yeah. And then you're A-B testing your hooks. Always. Yeah. Hooks. I mean, there's also, hooks are the big things. Obviously those are, the, that's sort of like the main component people stay for and we can sort of, you know, base it off of. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy enough to sort of, uh, you know, A-B test a bunch of different versions of the same video because obviously I'll go into this later. Uh, videos are expensive to produce sometimes. Right. <laughs> um, just as a baseline. So if someone, you know, if a client doesn't have the budget to create a whole campaign, like, you know, like we did for well, orgasm, for example, but um, we can then just sort of take what we do have and maximize it by tweaking 
these very, very small elements of it, which only take, you know, maybe an hour of editing time to sort of make the difference in, in between in post. Yes. Um, yes. So that's why we're able to sort of get better metrics out of that without having to spend too much money. Interesting. So you guys are going into the creative process knowing you guys need to produce many versions of your hook. Then you sort of have the middle part of your commercial and mm -hmm. then you have the ending. Yes. So the big thing is testing the 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 early part, the hook. Yes. Do you test anything in the middle and anything on the end or do you really just mainly focus on the beginning? Um only if we're seeing like data that would suggest that something is happening in sort of the middle or the end, but typically like I mean when I'm pitching a client for a video, I will typically give them five hook versions in that first deck that we're sort of, you know, looking at, at right. or working on. Uh because that's just such an important aspect of it. And it can be anything from like a text hook to a video hook just like we'll, we'll shoot uh modular videos a lot of the time that can be like like this this orgasm video is a very specific sort of narrative, if you will. Right. But not everything we do is is in that realm. In fact, I'd say um, only about thirty percent of videos we make are actually in that sort of like humorous um, narrative landscape. A lot of the stuff we do is a lot more, um, you know, direct to camera. It's a lot more modular, You're able to sort of cut as as much or as little out of it. It doesn't need the middle do isn't predicated by the beginning or the end, if you will. You can sort of you know move it around as you will. So I'll shoot a video with five scenes if I'm going to do a larger thing, and then that way I can sort of start the video on any given scene or any given part of the video. If it's a gifting portion, if it's a you know if it's a if it's a picking up on your doorstep package portion, if it's an unboxing portion, um, if it's just a pretty product shop portion. Those are all things that can be used to gear different you know, gear towards different parts of the funnel um, and thereby, you know, sort of get new um, new audiences looking at it and sort of like, you know, A-B test it that way too, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is at the, at the principle of what you're talking about is that you can, you don't know if you're going to get it right. Never. Right. No one can guarantee that. And, and so that conversation is happening, I'm assuming with the client on the front end. Yes. Right. You guys are saying, look, I don't know what's going to work. We're going to find out. Right. That being said, we do have uh, a whole plethora of, of videos that we have created that have worked. So we can give you a pretty good guarantee that, you know, it's not going to fail. But if anyone ever tells you that they know the way to make it work, yeah, they're probably lying to you. <laughs> so so that, that's interesting because yeah. um, we haven't gotten too much into it. But one of the principles I have when I started my company two years mm -hmm. ago my goal was to create a company that I won at 100%. Every mm -hmm. single campaign was was a win. And so in the first year, we failed a lot. Mm -hmm. And we learned a lot in it. And one of the big things was qualifying the customer. Mm -hmm. If we do a really good job in our qualification process and we disqualify everything that needs to be disqualified, we're likely to be left over with we know what's we know that we can win on these campaigns and those are who we accept as customers. So we do like an insane qualification process before. Like yeah. I've denied a customer because of their logo. Like hmm. I mean that's just like there was and and it it sounds kind of brutal but like it was we had a difference of opinion on the branding of the company. Sure. Right? And so I denied them because I felt like I wasn't going to be able to be successful sure. with this type of branding. So where I, how we talk about it with our clients is like, we're not guaranteeing, but we have a system mm -hmm. to produce results. Yes. We will iterate till we get it right. 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 And so you say you, you do five hooks. I typically do uh, six. I mean, mm -hmm. tomato, tomato, right? right? Five or six. I do six. And then I test like with three different target audiences. Yes. 
right? Yeah. And see just what's going to stick mm-hmm. with what audience, like what are they going to respond to? We don't know what people will laugh at. Exactly. Right. We won't, we don't know. So that's so great to hear that you guys are uh, producing that. And it, and it's, and it's beautiful that you can do that up front. Now here's a kicker, right? Because this is all great and dandy, but then it comes to budgets and right. the money. Right. Right. So like those five hooks, how different are they? Right. Right. Because you know, when it comes to budgets, right, do you have to film those on different days? No, the reality is they're going to give you a budget that A, is not going to be even close to being enough. Never. And somehow you have to make it work. Yes. Right. So talk to us about how you're now taking the creative side, the mm-hmm. media buying side, and mm-hmm. adding the practicality of where we live today, where no one wants to spend money on brand equity and Right. Making videos. Right. Well, so it's funny. I've uh, I've worked in sort of like the larger commercial branded content space as well. And it's, it's funny how much that whole, you know, traditional side of advertising is just coming to be exactly to the sort of model that we're using in sort of digital marketing, which, you know, we're maybe the, the sort of a younger cousin of that sort of realm. Sure. But uh, it's all just becoming the exact same thing, which is, you know, shoot uh, as much as you can and, and, and always optimize for social because that's really what's selling nowadays. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, within making budgets work, I mean, we're able to make things work very, very lean uh, where we are. And that's sort of like a fine tuned process. Again, I've been sort of working from the ground up. I was the third person hired at the company. Now we're, you know, at over 40 people. So it's it's sort of um, it's it's sort of grown and I've grown with it. And we've all sort of been able to fine tune that, you know, within that. So we're able to keep things very lean by, you know, having, you know, good relationships with certain talent and locations and, and whatnot and sort of, you know, equipment deals, all those sort of basic things that go into a budget. Um, but also within that, you know, we're always shooting uh, for for 16 by 9, which is YouTube. And then we're always shooting for, uh, to be able to be cropped down into one by one for Facebook and Instagram. Uh, the sort of Instagram story aesthetic, which I'll talk about later, um, is a little harder because you really can't shoot to make it look good for widescreen 16 by 9 and for vertical 9 by 16. That's just basically impossible. That being said, within the within the landscape, you can you can reframe images, do split screens, et cetera, get creative with it to still use the visuals that you shoot on that given day to repurpose it for those different platforms. Um, so we've just gotten really good at sort of shooting for both always and making sure that, you know, at bare minimum, you know, we're shooting um, – we're shooting wider enough to sort of work for both. Um, and then that way we never have to, you know, shoot more than a, you know, a single 12 hour day. Um, yeah, we're getting as much as we can. We're using different talent. We're cycling through people. We're, uh, we're just getting sort of like the meteor components of what we need to get. We're not wasting time on anything. We're doing fewer setups if we can, or we're presetting, you know, in different parts of the house. And we're also, sometimes we do, you know, dual camera shoots with two different directors shooting on opposite sides of location. If we're not shooting sound, which we maybe 20% of the time shoot sound, that's it. 80% of the time, there's no sound. You can shoot three different um, iterations of the same spot or three different scenes at the same time. Mm. So it's, it's, it's that, you know, it's, it's that much more of, of sort of getting them, you know, the biggest bang for your buck. Um, and also, you know, it, it's, it's for social, this isn't broadcast. So it's a little bit lighter in the, in the sort of post and production aspect of it. We still do some very, I think, cinematic things. Like I think that orgasm spot looks very nice. Um, and that had a little more of a production cost to it because of the location. We had to shoot at a biker bar. We had to have a lot of bikers and, and, you know, that sort of aspect of it, um, obviously cost a bit more. Um, but even for that, I mean, you want to know numbers. I think we shot that for like 7k. Like it was, it really wasn't bad. It was insane. But again, it's a thing of like, we were able to keep things very lean. Um, 
And, you know, shoot as much as we could on the day. You know, we have a photographer there on standby shooting while we're shooting video. You know, we have, uh, you know, we're, we're shooting, you know, uh, abandoned, cart abandonment videos while we're sort of waiting for something else to set up. Like we're doing all this stuff. We're getting some UGC with a cell phone while we're doing it. Like we're packing as much as we can into this day so that we're really maximizing the budget and, you know, our reach across the funnel. So we have it all within the single campaign that we're pitching as a, as a creative concept. You know, it's it's so interesting because there's no rule book for this. Like you guys, us, all the other agents, we're all just making up as we go right now because this is new, yeah. right? All of this is new. And we've essentially as digital marketing agencies have turned into production companies, yes. right? Or had to bring in uh, people who understand production, yes. right? And so we're making it up as we go. And so to your point, that's what we do. Like I, I was given $15,000 to make a website, a brand, commercials, product photography, and probably three or four other things that I'm missing. That's insane. Right. <laughs> and I had, and so the only way to be able to achieve that reasonably is with a one day production. Yes. And I, m the most important person on set for, for us on that shoot was our set designer. Mm-hmm. She's done like things for Nike and she was $1,800. And so I had to find a place where I could shoot at a home and have a studio to shoot at. So it was like within 12 minutes driving distance, she split her day in half between both studios. She set design in the morning and then she set design in the afternoon. Yep. Both things paid her day rate. She was happy. Yep. She got fed and she's out the door. Yeah. But like to be able to do that, normally you do that on two days. Yeah. Right. And so then I had my director between both sets. Yeah. That's that's rough. <laughs> yeah. That's like, very hard. Yeah. Like we're making this up as yeah. we go. 100%. And, and and like it, it it's funny because the net result it sounds the same. Yeah. We're just having to be creative. Totally. You're shooting abandoned cart shopping ads yeah. while the actors are getting ready. Yeah. You know, like uh, we, we're always just trying to get more content for different concepts if we can. Again, the lower production value, I guess, or needs, um, the, the easier it is to sort of do it in between takes or whatnot. Um yeah, like we we're talking about testing earlier. I mean, shoot, this entire industry is testing all the time. Like that that's kind of like the real life implication of it is is uh no one has again, there's no rules to this. We're all just sort of in our own way figuring it out. I just think it's funny how we on separate sides of, you know, maybe the same city, but separate sides of the whole thing, we're both figuring out the same concept as we go, which is I think a a, a miracle of of the sort of human ingenuity. Well, it it is. <laughs> it it also is coming out from where we are today. Yes. Right. Because, you know, if you go back to the evolution of the internet, right, it, mm -hmm. there wasn't, video wasn't b big because the technical capabilities weren't there. Sure. Right. But now that we can stream, stream and have devices, right. So video now has become popular. Right. Right. And then remember when, um, Steve Jobs, not Steve, yes. but Steve Jobs uh, didn't put flash on the iPhone, right? right? And banner ads were, uh, flash banner ads yes. were no longer a thing. So now like static banner ads, right. right? So like we've seen, I think we are at a point where like when when two completely separate people are trying to solve the same problem, right. like we're, we're coming up with the same solutions, right? Right. It's, like, it's the best one, hopefully, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's why I brought you on. Maybe, yeah. maybe I learned something, <laughs> right. but it sounds like we're doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, and I mean, you know, along with that, it's sort of the whole, uh, the fact that everyone is making videos nowadays, you have, you know, TikTok and you have, right. you know, Twitch and all that stuff. Um, 
the the need to be viral I found is a thing that clients are always asking for and that goes back to my immediate point which is again you can't that's a that's a, an external social factor you really can't guarantee those results you can again try your darndest but um you know that's just sort of a that's an incredibly organic thing so I find that virality is you know if if you you know test stuff and sort of work within the guidelines and sort of make sure that you're doing the right thing um you will get yourself as close to that point as as you can but you really can't guarantee it so you can set yourself up for for you know for for that as best as you can right so in our conversation before mm -hmm. we talked about rules of direct response yes. why don't you highlight some of those quickly yes um so direct response creative um again i've worked across different you know advertising realms but it's completely different from branded content and traditional you know broadcast commercials because it's uh literally immediacy and convert conversion so we're looking at you know every click wants to drive a sale right so we want to make sure that every person that stops on a video is also going through to the website and, and looking at the sale and you're actually able to track that if you're running a nike ad on on you know on Sunday night football they don't really have a way to track sales based on that you know they can hope for it and they can sort of you know know that their brand is going to drive conversion but they really can't track it whereas now we can literally track it but in that respect we also know um we know that what we're doing is geared exactly towards somebody, you know, not even watching through the whole thing, but just clicking through as fast as they can. Sure. Um, so within that, and, you know, we have a bunch of different or brands um, that we work with anywhere from, you know, small e-commerce clients to larger, like, you know, we have Petco and Fender as well. So those are huge brands that are they're all ascribing to the exact same philosophy. So, you know, it, it kind of runs across the board in that respect. Um, so again, understanding the platform, it's you want to make sure that your aspect ratio is proper when you're when you're doing your your video. Um, Explain that for our, user, yeah. our listeners that really don't understand what that yeah. means. So aspect ratio is is the size of your video frame. So uh, on Facebook and Instagram, we say it's either one by one or four by five, which are again, just dimensions that you do when you export the video in the editing process. Um, but that's the the largest portion of your phone screen that the video can sort of take up mm. if you will so uh youtube is always um uh it's always going to be uh 16 by 9 uh which so like do it's it in widescreen shapes. sorry so it's so widescreen like a, a rectangle yes versus a square yes one by one is square four by five is a slightly more narrow square but it's your phone isn't exactly square across so it's going to be there's arguments about this. We find that there's no real difference between one by one or four by five, but mm. some clients are picky about it and they'll sure. request one or the other. Um, but typically it's just about a square because that's like the middle portion of your of your phone. It takes up the most real estate. Um, YouTube on your on your uh, on your laptop, it takes up the most real estate that way. Um, most people aren't really browsing YouTube on their phone, but you know, if they do, they, they it's it's stuck in that aspect ratio. Um and then also, you know, Instagram stories, that's going to be vertical. So that's taking up your entire phone screen. It's What's the aspect ratio? Nine by 16. Nine so it's the exact 16. flip of YouTube. Mm. So it's completely vertical. And then uh, YouTube is going to be Oh, that makes sense. Right, you just flip it. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. So in that respect, sometimes we get people asking, why don't you just film everything vertical? Which uh, one could argue, yes, uh, in sort of like an actual cinema camera, it's, you know, literally flipping it on its side. Right. But um. I don't know. It, it's honestly that that's a way to do it. I can't really argue against it or for it, but then you're also potentially going to lose out on the YouTube aspect of it. So you kind of have to, you know, optimize for what you're going to be pushing further on which platform. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really interesting because I've done things that you've talked about, right? I filmed mm -hmm. in 16 by nine, which is rectangle. Mm -hmm. And then I cut the rectangle in half and then I stacked them. Yes. Right. Yeah. You can do that. So you can do that. There's, there's so many variations to it. Um, I'd, like you, I'd like to probably start considering like what that, again, we never get the budgets we want. So we never, never. get to do what we really want to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
which it's funny because I feel like that's that's the life of a creative person. Mm -hmm. You're always never getting the budgets you You're want. Working against limitations. <laughs> that makes it fun. <laughs> it does. It makes it fun. It makes it challenging. Yes. Um, because if we had all the money in the world, then it what fun is it? Exactly. So, um, what what would be interesting is if I could afford to maybe shoot two days or at least part of the day in vertical mode mm -hmm. and having a creative component to vertical. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so that'd be interesting. But yeah. So is was there anything on your other on your list of things to pay attention for direct response? Yes. Um, so just to finish off the platform issue, the the number one thing else we haven't talked about is no sound. You have to assume right. that people aren't going to have the sound on their phone. Um, if you're ever going to be doing dialogue uh, or any sort of like spoken part of your video that, you know, we usually don't do that kind of stuff, but if it's a demonstration or whatnot, um, then uh, then you're going to make sure you have subtitles. Um, I don't like to rely on Facebook auto subtitles because not very pretty and they're always not accurate. So we usually have our editor sort of do a branded subtitle um, baked into the video. It's a little more work, but it is what it is. I think it, it converts better. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so to make sure that's optimized for no sound, music is always nice to have underneath, but also making sure that your video itself is is text heavy. Make sure that you have the motion graphics and text animation baked into your video. Um, just showing, you know, visuals is not necessarily going to, you know, show a person what you're demonstrating. People are not always that smart. So it's always good to sort of have the value props and, and any kind of uh, explainer copy component you need um, on screen as well. So, so you're saying taking a video like in in the example of eargasms, yes. right? You could have introduced a text-based yes. uh, frame yes. saying like, uh, concealed in your ear or whatever the exactly. value props are. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, if, uh, that's like sort of longer form version. If I was to do an uh, incredibly direct response version of that video, I would have the guy throwing the orgasm into the frame and then huge big block text coming up saying this is an orgasm or give yourself an orgasm or some fun little thing like that. Huge copy. You can't miss it. And people are like, what the hell is an orgasm? Right. And they watch the rest of the video. That's what I'm saying is it can be that simple, um, but it's having text baked in. So it's not just subtitles that's informing you of what you're hearing mm -hmm. or what someone could be describing to you. It's it's simple, big, you know, text that you can't miss. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's a huge component of it. Um, again, the hook is very important. A hook can be anything from asking a question like, do you have an issue with this? Or, you know, uh, we have a coffee client right now that we're working on that has very unique flavors of coffee. So one of our hooks is, uh, what does strawberry cheesecake coffee taste like? That's a weird question. It gets people in. Um, you can also make a statement. Um, you know, this is the best toothbrush ever whatever it is. Um, you can also use shock value or emotion. So we find that typically negative emotions don't work as well, like fear or, or, or anger. Um, but positivity, humor works really well. People like to, uh, they're, they're, they empathize more with that than they do. Um, like, you know, if you have like, a, let's say a bed bug client um, working with like the fear element is um, it just doesn't perform as well, even though people are scared of bed bugs and it's a way to, to sort of gear it. But um, typically, you know, using a more humorous side of things uh, is going to be better. And then always you can use pretty product shots or striking imagery if your product is demonstrably beautiful. So there's that. Awesome. Yeah. So those are your tips and tricks. Yes. Um, I can't wait to go back to listen to all of them and write them all down <laughs> um, for direct response. So let's move into the conversation of when a client is starting from scratch, yes. there is no, no, nothing in the funnel. They don't have anything. And we're like, they're saying go. Right. 
How do, where do you go? So uh, first and foremost, uh, talk with your client and listen. Don't really, I, I don't even recommend giving them um, any sort of pointers or uh, or really any recommendations until you really, really know not only the, the product strengths, but especially the pain points and the weaknesses. Know what people are going to, what's going to stop potentially new consumers from buying your product and make sure that you work on how to mitigate those reasons. Because you want to make sure it's the, the, the customer has the easiest possible way to buy a product and that there's nothing holding them back from it. So I think people always focus on, you know, this is a great shoe, but what's not so good about it? Let's make sure we sort of, you know, focus on how to mitigate that and maybe even use a video to, to address those issues. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, make sure that you know the product strengths and weaknesses, competitors, brand voice. Um, some of our clients come to us without really much of a brand to begin with. So that's always fun. It's a little right. less direction, but that much more fun with it. Um, but yeah, really sort of ascribing to, to, to the ethos of the company. Um, and then also I recommend, you know, just because a client thinks they want something, it doesn't mean they're correct always. Um, don't How do be you afraid. handle that conversation? <laughs> uh, with data, I honestly find it's much easier to sort of prove it with numbers. People like hearing that, especially businesses. You know, they liked hearing that, you know, maybe you guys want to go in this direction and target this audience or, um, you know, like, for example, like an anti-aging cream. Some people like to sort of focus on... Um, they want to focus on uh, showing aspirational images of, you know, younger people, beautiful skin sort of a thing. But um, they're they're afraid to actually show the realistic look of, of actual older people and, and how their skin ages. So it really is sort of like recommending um, things and then using the data to back up your recommendations. Of course, you can't force a client to do anything. So are you, but, are you suggesting that data is showing that showing real people that yes. are really aging is better than the manicured perfect face yes exactly and i think it's really not hard to prove that little point um you know it's social proof so you know organic and and people want to feel that how do you handle that on an example when there's no data yet for this particular client how do you go do you go get like data from somewhere else like how do you handle uh, like let's say you philosophically don't agree Mm -hmm. on the creative sure meaning we want to show X people. You want to show Y people. Sure. How do you sh- how do you have that conversation with a client and convince them? Sure. I mean that's uh, that's I guess a case by case basis, but um, you know it it really just sort of goes into we'll usually look at competitors and and see what they're running because you know you can look at a Facebook ad library and see what right. everyone's running at any given moment um, and see what information we can dig up from there or anything we can dig up metrically. Like I said, but if you really can't, I mean you can sort of just come at come at it to them as like we only want to make you money <laughs> thereby this is what we think will work better and you can trust us because you're paying us for our expertise or you cannot and in the end you can't really force them to do it uh if it's an actual moral thing which you know sometimes there are clients sure. which you know that that's sort of a thing where you can sort of pick or choose if you want to do it but um in the end it's you know it, the client's paying you to make their creative so in the end you kind of have to ascribe to them but you can only sort of push them as far as you know you're only in it for their best interest right you know there's no st- you, I, I got no skin in the game really right uh i'm just trying to make you more money and have your campaign go that much further right yeah there, so. you don't have stake in creative a versus creative b exactly it's not you know it's not really going to benefit me in any way besides me doing good for you as my client right uh and that's why i think like really making making sure that they trust you and that they really know that you have their best interest in mind there's no sort of ulterior motive to it i think only helps build that sort of client uh relationship um Going further into uh, into that, I think, um, you know, if it's e-commerce stuff, first and foremost, you have to focus on product assets before you get into sort of lifestyle stuff. I think people like to jump the gun. They see, a you know, a beautiful 
branded content piece. And they're like, I want that. I want the Nike. I want the Adidas commercial. I want the the cool urban sort of thing, right? And uh, first and foremost, if you don't have sort of the building blocks of, of product imagery and just clean branding, just the most basic sort of elements, then you have to start with that. Um, you know, clean, good photo and video, um, you can usually, you know, in, in this day and age, you can sort of find a photographer and a videographer in one if you sort of want to compromise on those things and just get sort of the basic groundwork going. Um, because if people don't know what your product is or if it looks not the cleanest it can, that's just already, that's like, you know, setting up a website that isn't going to take you to the, you know, to the, to the cart phase or they can't click out of the cart. They're not gonna be able to buy the product that's something that's completely basic that you should be able to control in terms of the purchasing process. Make it as easy for the customer to purchase as possible. Sure. Um, and then beyond that point, uh, I'd say, you know, budget is the first thing we talk about. So we talked about this, you know, overall, um, most people don't realize how costly it is just to sort of break into a production. Um, there's just basic cost to entry, minimum cost to entry. And that's just, you know, hiring the minimum crew, talent, location, equipment, and then you got to feed the crew permitting. too. Yeah, exactly. These are all just things where it's like, you know, your small little video versus this big little video have a lot less of a budget gap than you think. The small video is always going to cost a couple grand. There's never going to be any room for it being any less just because of the basic barrier cost. And I think you, people don't you, understand that. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I tell clients like, we need a video guy. I mean, we yeah. need a, we need a cinematographer. We yes. need a director. Yes. We you always pay the audio guy. <laughs> always. If you're doing audio, right? If you right. can skip on that. It's great. Right. Of course. Right. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, there's just some basic things. Yes. Right. It's like, is there a location? Is there a location fee? Yeah. Right. Yes. It's it's small stuff like that. Um, where I think some clients say, well, you know, it's only it's only this, and 100 percent, it's only this, except that you're always going to need certain elements. And there's just no scrapping that. Otherwise, you, you will not get a video shoot. Something will be missing. Something won't work out. Um, and then there was the point of the video. If you don't even have, you know, if someone didn't back up the footage, you'll have nothing left, et cetera. You know? It, it's interesting how I've seen certain elements of a production crew, what it pays in dividends yes. when you have an assistant camera. Yes. When you have... Um, an assistant, uh, uh, an AD, yes. right? Running so like, yeah. you know, we we don't need to go super, super in the yeah. weeds, but like having an assistant director allows the director to stay in the creative yes. versus figuring out if they what they need to get done and they can get it done before the end of the day. Yeah, it also makes sure that you're not going to go over your day. And, you know, like a, a, a great creative director I once worked with used to say, make sure you get 100% of the commercial at 80% versus 80% of the commercial at 100%. Right. Just make sure you get the bare minimum, all of it to have what you need. And right. then you can focus on, you know, the rest of it later. Um, but yeah, 100%. You know, uh, it's just, you know, when a, when a client comes and they say, well, can we do it for this much less? And it's like, sure, you can do it, but maybe your footage will be soft. I can't guarantee, you know, it's small aspects. There's a reason that movies cost so much money. Right. We're doing it on such a lean scale, which we're already, it's, uh, I think it's magic what we're able to do. I think between what I can't we do, believe it. it's insane. Um, but you know, within that, we are, we're already able to do it on such a low scale that, um, for the, for the production value that I think, uh, yeah, it's just, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs at a certain point. Yeah. Um, but again, some people have no experience with creative and you also have to understand that some people aren't trying to be malicious. They just really don't understand. They've never done creative before. They don't get that, you know, also me, you know, developing a script or a treatment, that's hours of my time that is also not necessarily being compensated. It's, it's stuff like that where, uh, I got a tip for you. Yes. Later. Keep going. Okay. Um, 
Uh, so yeah, like all these small aspects, you know, the editor's time. The editor isn't just a, a machine that sits there and, and does stuff within an hour. You know, it, it, it takes time. It takes up his mental capacity. Uh, it's it's so much more of, a, of an endeavor and there's so much more human cost to it than I think a lot of people understand. So that's why I'm always just like empathize with your with your team because it's, you know, right. no one's trying to screw anyone else over. It's just it's a hard business. And what we're doing is basically making uh, miracles out of the impossible. Yep. Um, on that note, uh, we also have an option. What we like to do is if client has existing assets, so it's not from scratch, but they already come in for some stuff, we uh, are really able to sort of fine tune recutting the existing footage and um, making them into more, again, uh, into more sort Sort of driven direct response content, right? Um, which you know we can easily do with even just photo assets and text. We're able to sort of work that into a video um, or any video content. We're able to sort of recut it and repurpose it for that, or just optimize existing content. Um, so you know, cutting it down to the correct aspect ratio, you know, putting in subtitles, etc. These are all small things that will have an insane, you know, immeasurable right uh, change on on the conversion rates you see on a video. Awesome. Yeah. So. All right, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but I want to do something kind of unique here. Um, I haven't done this with a guest yet, so you're the first person I'm going to be doing this with. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, this is, is really interesting. So I've got a video series campaign where it's uh, cold, uh, warm, and hot. And it's these three videos, and I'd love to get your opinion on these three videos. Uh, I want you to watch them, see them, and kind of think through like, what were things that we did well? What are things that we didn't do well? And just kind of your overall take on it. Mm -hmm. um, we've been talking about this particular client throughout the series of this podcast. And so we've taken them from like talking about target audience to frequency and all these kind of things. So it'd be really cool to get your opinion on the top funnel, the mid funnel mm -hmm. and the bottom funnel. Um, for our audience that is potentially not listening to this chron uh, chronologically, and they're listening to this as the first time episode, this is the Tooth Fairy box. It's reimagining the Tooth Fairy experience. So it's a box you get as a parent, um, and you create this really awesome experience for your top child that it's, it's not just about the $5 that you're going to put under the pillow. It's about the whole experience. Um, the client has done a lot of market testing, and the children like the feedback is amazing. Parents love it. It's fantastic. So I'm going to play for you top funnel. This is cold traffic video, and we're going to play it now. I'm a full-time working mom, and I always find myself tapping into hidden superpowers just to keep up with the rest of the world. And I'm the ambitious type, so I've really got to stay ahead of the game. I'm always looking for a chance to go above and beyond for my kids. Mommy, look! Bingo. Time to employ my secret weapon. The Tooth Fairy box makes it easy for me to overhaul the entire Tooth Fairy experience for my son. Because let's face it, I really don't have the time to be searching online and running around to craft stores all day. I'd much rather spend the time with my kid making a memorable Tooth Fairy experience. It's game time. Let's make some magic. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, thoughts? Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, great. I want to hear about your production process on that uh, that whole thing because I'd love to hear sort of the, the process you went through. Um, it's great. I think uh, you are sort of, uh, I'm going to be as, as gentle Please. here as I can, but also, you know, just I'm going to be not mince my words. Uh, I think you're missing a, a stronger hook. Um, I think, uh, you know, you it, it's sort of the longer form of the of the whole piece um and it's great for for prospecting and um so, you know sort of driving new new client acquisition and brand awareness um 
I do think uh, you could use a little more more text and value props uh, and sort of some tighter shots um, in terms of like actually showing, you know, the demonstrable goods of the of the box and whatnot and, and, and sort of uh, showing those um, to f- I guess the way I always look at it is if you're on your phone um, and you're shooting a wider shot. It's already so small on your phone, it's kind of hard to see whatever's happening in the frame. So trying to keep everything tight, even if you're not sort of setting up the location and the narrative, it's going to be that much easier. So instead of showing a two shot of the mom and the kid, maybe we're just showing a, a shot of the kid holding the box and the mom giving it to him or whatnot or reverse that. But it's sort of like, you know, cutting it, I think, and using tighter shots is always going to be a little bit easier than playing out larger actions uh, in, in a wider frame. So that's a small thing I noticed. Um I also think we could, you know, repurpose this a ton. I know, I know you did sort of repurpose it for the uh, different parts of the funnel, but um, creating a, a sort of, you know, testing more of a, maybe we do some sort of like a, a, a question hook there. Like, what do you do when your kid, when you forget your kid's tooth fell out or whatnot, like posing these questions towards moms um, and maybe asking them a couple different things um, or using as some other kind of um you know, more of a visually stimulating hook, if you will, uh, to sort of get someone like we're talking about thumb stopping ability. It's right. Like, what's going to cause someone to stop on this? You know what I mean? So I think that that sort of aspect of it, I think I would love to see uh, developed a little bit more. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's follow up with the mid funnel. So this is warm. This is after. This is marketing to people who have actually seen the first or potentially seen some landing page or visited mm-hmm. a landing page from another marketing source. But basically this is a warm traffic ad and this is called uh, Morning After. Mommy, look. All right. What'd you think? Yeah. Also great. Uh, much shorter, which is always good um, in that respect. It's good. It's uh, it's good for retargeting. I think, you know, it's sort of, you don't really have to explain too much about the product, especially if someone's already seen it, you're not going in cold to it, right? So uh, you're able to sort of hit the main points and not have to go too into it and just sort of like readdress, um, readdress the value props that are going to be sort of primed at your, at your you know, prospected com- uh, customer. So I think that this video does a really good job of that. Again, I think a, a little bit stronger of a hook or an intro in the beginning is always that much more, you know, that's part of the A-B testing. You can have a lot of fun with that. But otherwise, yeah. The difference between the first one and the second one was the feedback that you gave in the first one is kind of what we did in the second one. Right. The tighter shots. Yes. More of the product. Yes. Text-based. Yes. So, okay, got it. So you're saying almost introduce some of a lot of that or all of it into the warm, I'm sorry, the cold. I would say those guidelines I use for every video, no matter what part of the okay. funnel we're doing. Um, I do think like the, the sort of like um, paring it down and then, you know, just sort of hitting the value props that you want to hit. Uh, you know, in, in a shorter time span, much earlier in the video are going to work better for retargeting um, versus like, you know, uh, the more brand awareness, which is the longer form piece in the in the bottom of the funnel. Um, you really want to sort of, you don't need to reintro a customer, right, at the sort of mid funnel level. So I think that's why uh, the shorter form and then also using this text helps for that. It would have just been good to also have it, I think, in the beginning with the larger narrative as well. Interesting. So yeah. you mentioned the hook on this mm-hmm. one. We we did a lot of surveys with uh, customers, mm-hmm. and we heard something that uh, parents or specifically mothers get. There's a particular phrase that they hear all the time, and it's 
mommy, look, mm-hmm. that's a constant thing mm-hmm. that we hear. Uh, so that's why we threw it in there. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting. All right. So we're going to go to bottom funnel. This mm-hmm. is someone's added to cart and yes. abandoned. Yes. This is multiple page visits. This is yeah. multiple uh, site visits. This is someone who's really, really warm, but hasn't purchased yet. Sure. So let's hit play. So I think this is this is also fun. But again, I think you can go even more uh, specific with this. Like we like to typically for this stuff, literally do an abandoned cart video where we're targeting somebody with a with a, typically a character from the campaign uh, telling someone like, "Yoohoo! you forgot to put this, you know, in your cart. You forgot to click hello. Like we go so specific into it. So it feels it feels a little creepy because it's super personalized. Um, but I think with that, you also have the ability to sort of keep it super tight. We usually don't make our, you know, top of funnel ads longer than 10 to 15 seconds. Um Top of funnel or bottom of funnel? Sorry, uh, the the very the closing the closing uh, yes retention ones. Um, yes, uh, we usually make those fifteen or less just because you know again you're not trying to re-educate the customer you're just trying to sort of like nudge a little further um, to sort of get them to close the deal if you will it's it's, it's a deal closer video so I think uh, making those a little more personalized a little more specified not needing to really go into um, the, the the value props or any kind of like you know brand establishing which yeah you guys did a good job of that anyway but I think like you can really have fun with these I think that's just a good sort of idea is, is uh, shoot different versions and just again test and see what works because there's so many different templates you can use for this type of, of messaging that works so yeah this right. is fun but I think you could have almost like gone in a even a like, completely wild direction with it too and it would have worked just as well yeah this one was almost done two years ago so we mm-hmm. definitely learned a lot with, <laughs> uh, it's great to, to get feedback so yes. hopefully you don't look like you're sweating so it looks like uh we didn't uh push no you too hard. i do want to hear about the the process though how yeah. was that yeah um you know the process so this was the 15k budget right they did and, the entire and do everything yes and it was very very overwhelming mm-hmm. um I'll, I'll move part of the conversation yes. offline but in short there was a lot of assets that needed to be delivered um we didn't have a lot of time to do it mm-hmm. and we had to just get it done. So it was like just late nights with my director slash creative director figuring out how to do these things. A lot of phone calls, calling a lot of production people, calling a lighting guy at the la- at the 25th hour to get him in to create a nighttime scene. I mean, you know, it's just like yeah. on and on and on. And it was just like a lot of late nights. Mm-hmm. Um, there was originally on that deal, there was probably like there wasn't even profit. It was, I, I also played line producer on mm-hmm. set and I considered that the profit, but <laughs> that like was written out when at, at the 25th hour, we needed a couple extra things. And like, mm-hmm. so there was like no profit on that deal. In fact, it was, we probably went negative. Yeah. I just didn't want to run the numbers on it. Um, it's better not to. <laughs> <laughs> in hopes that the client stays on and, yes. and, and, and it pay, yeah. we get paid. It's it an pays, investment. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. On the dividends on the back end. Well, Thank you so much for coming. Yes. Um, this was amazing. I, I hope we can have you back sometime. Yeah, it was and, a pleasure. Yeah. And and you can tear apart my other videos. Yeah, it's always fun to sort of uh, you know put on the glasses and sort of look into the into the you know bare bones of what what we make. So it's really great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>